Baby, I'm a gangster too, and it takes me to tango. You don't wanna mess with me, mess with me. Baby, I'm a gangster too. <laughs> Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Don't fuck with me, fellas! This ain't my first time at the rodeo. Welcome to the 100th episode of Cosmic Peach Podcast. Relax, kick back, and let's talk a while. How do you like the new intro? It took me a while to encapsulate my feelings into an intro. I wanted to keep it short, sweet, and to the point, yet prepare the listeners for the cosmic fire. And let me tell you something, as one of the very few females in the Conspiracy Theory podcast game, I have to divulge some of my feelings on that. I feel that my skills are often underestimated to a high degree, to the point of being talked over or talked down to. Those who are longtime listeners of my show know by now I am more than capable of holding my own and bringing down the house. And you know what? This intro is my theme song, if you will. I hope you enjoyed it. I think it'll stick around for a while. I started this podcast a little over a year ago, and it's been, I have to say, a humbling and interesting journey so far. And I always compare listening to a podcast to a library. You may not love every book you check out or every author, but it's part of your journey learning and stepping outside of your comfort zone. I am extremely grateful to the listeners who have listened since day fucking one and have come along for this ride. I'm going to go through episodes from, you guessed it, season one, episode one, all the way to today. And if you were thinking this was going to be a short intro, wrongo, we're going to start from the very beginning and then go through all my fave episodes. We're going to announce the tinfoil royals and then we're going to bounce straight into the episode. So... Episode 1 of Season 1, April 20th, 2022, is Here's Johnny. Yeah, my very first time trying to record a solo episode. You want to talk about coming in with the fire? I didn't even have a guest on. I was like, you know what? I got this microphone off Amazon and fucking Spotify for podcasters. Look out, world. Here I come. So I covered the Overlook Hotel, the fake moon landing, and Stanley Kubrick in episode fucking one. And then I followed it up with episode two, Beyond the Veil, with uh, good buddy Lehman talking about his experiences. And then, of course, I have the holistic healing, urine therapy, and curcumin episode. First appearance from Kelly on the show, and we are still best friends to this day. She's really helped me grow in my podcast journey. She came all the way to Oklahoma just to visit me, and we had a great weekend together. We still talk all the time, and she keeps it real, and that's why I love her. But right after that, rolling into May 11th, 2022, I did Here's Johnny Part 2, And um, we talked about Kubrick again, NASA, JFK, Saturnalia, all the good shit. And Ryan Dean, boom. I was nobody at the time. And he was gracious enough to come on my show. And the episode is called Luciferian Agenda. 
and we talked about symbolism and all kinds of stuff. We went all over the place. And again, just a massive thank you to Ryan because it did not matter to him that I was just starting out. He's such a nice guy. He agreed to come on. And I was nervous because I really hadn't had too many guests on yet. And there he was. Um, and uh, still friends with him even today. And then followed that episode up with West Memphis 3, Johnny Depp and Occult Symbolism with William Ramsey. Again, I was a nobody and still kind of am a nobody. But William Ramsey, I just reached out and was like, hey, I know I'm kind of uh, just getting started here, but I have a lot to offer. Would you consider coming on uh, for an episode? And he obliged and the rest is history. That was a fantastic episode. Then I brought it closer to home for the next couple episodes after that. I had my brother David on, and that's the Marilyn Manson music industry and UFOs episode, which not all of my episodes are are just these explosive, crushing, out-of-this-world info drops. Some of them I gear more towards just lighthearted conversation, and this is one of those. I love my family and our sense of humor, and I love to showcase that in some episodes, and I still continue to do that. We just recorded one the other day. That was phenomenal, but so that was my brother's first appearance on Cosmic Peach Podcast. He crushed, and then my cousin Brian Brian Jason from the Cleveland Shrill podcast, before he had even started his podcast, came on the very first appearance for a personal testimony of his paranormal experiences. And that episode is called Campfire Ghosties. And for the Brian Jason fans out there, if you haven't heard Campfire Ghosties, You have to go back and listen to it. He literally went all over the place. I had never even heard some of those stories. They were mind-blowing. But so, going straight after that, we have Whitney Fox. She came on and talked to us about mediumship and spirit. And I would consider her one of the, how would you say it? Pivotal people in my podcasting journey. She really has helped me a lot. And she um, is just a beautiful person and has such a gentle spirit. I love her so much. And next on the list, we have June 9th, 2022. Uh, Will the real Paul McCartney please stand up? Now, this was a girl that I used to work with at my old job who just happened to be into conspiracy theories. And she had this whole PowerPoint presentation on Paul McCartney being replaced by a lookalike. And... I was just starting my podcast at the time and I was like, hell yeah, let's talk about it. That's actually a pretty decent episode for a a beginner, you know? And then I did post an exclusive episode that I had recorded on my third eye podcast called My Haunted History, where I talked about all of the weird paranormal stuff that has followed my family for generations And that was the first interview I had ever done before I even started my podcast. And I reached out to Ghost from My Third Eye Podcast because I had been listening to Tinfoil Hat and Ryan from Dangerous World and My Third Eye. And I was like, you know what? Ghost seems to be really into the paranormal activity and shit. I bet he'd think this this story is crazy and, and entertaining. And so I asked him if he'd be interested in hearing it. And it turned out to be a, an awesome episode. I had no concept of what my own voice sounded like recorded. I've come a long way. Even though some of you still aren't a fan. I have to tell you, it's a lot better than the first time I ever did a podcast interview. I promise you that. But so rolling on, I did a Marilyn Monroe breakdown. I would say it's creme de la creme if you're going to look for conspiracy theories on Marilyn Monroe. I'm so proud of that episode. Like I said, I came in guns a-blazing. I hadn't even had the podcast for six months yet, and I'm dropping straight fire right out the gate. Followed that up by Murdered by Suicide, where I talked about Frank Olson, Henry Marshall, I talked about Lyndon Johnson, and I still reference this episode because I did some absolutely fantastic research to put that together. And 
what I'll say about these older episodes that were my first ones, I always call them my learning episodes. But to be honest, they're some of the best ones. I just didn't have very good audio quality and I was still learning how to speak clearly and precisely. And I was still kind of learning my flow and tone of how I wanted to present episodes. But if you just want great information, go back and listen to those. You really should. They're fantastic episodes. So after that, I had on Nico from Upstate Unconventional. We talked about sleep paralysis, shadow people, some crazy experiences he had had. And next one after that, I was warming myself up with some more paranormal stuff. I covered Ed and Lorraine Warren from movies like The Conjuring and Annabelle and The Nun. The the couple in those movies, Ed and Lorraine Warren, they were real people. They have some really weird, sinister stuff lurking in the background of their lives. And I covered it all June 11th, 2022. Excuse me, July 11th, 2022. So... That was a great episode. William Ramsey joined me again for Smiley Face Killers, Occult Symbolism, and Torture right after that. And then I had Memories, Histories, and Mysteries with my brother and Brian. And we just went everywhere and nowhere in true Hamilton fashion. We just had a free-for-all And it's a legacy episode, in my opinion. That's something years and years and years from now I can go back and listen to and just be like, damn, we killed it. And we literally were talking about nothing, just laughing. And uh, we played horror movie Jeopardy in that episode. So it's it's just a great time. I had the girl that I used to work with back on again for... Paul McCartney lookalike part two, which is called I Am the Walrus. But we go kind of in a different direction where we look at John Lennon, Yoko Ono, and we talk about who was the walrus and some of the symbolism in their songs. Really great episode. Again, I had just started out in my podcast journey. I know a lot more about this subject now. I really should cover it on a solo episode. So that may be in the works, but I have so many ideas for episodes. I just can't cover them all. So I'm going to start breaking these down a little faster for you. The next episode, August 1st, 2022, was Conspiracy Sleepover, What Woke You Up. I'm sure those of you who have listen to my show for a long time. Remember the conspiracy sleepovers? They were episodes where I got only conspiracy-minded ladies together for a ladies' night talk just about random subjects, and we went around kind of in a round table and just gave our thoughts, feelings, opinions. I really loved those, but I found that they were getting repetitive, so I canceled Conspiracy Sleepover, but it's not that I didn't love talking with other girls who were into conspiracies. It's just the pool is so small to pick from. I didn't want to sound redundant. So we still get together every now and again, but it's not a once a month occurrence. It got replaced by the Breakdown Shakedown, which is uber popular. So it was a good career move, I guess. But so August 4th, 2022, Occult Laurel Canyon, the first fucking episode came out. And this, my friends, is what moved Cosmic Peach Podcast in an entirely different direction. People started actually paying attention to me after I recorded Occult Laurel Canyon Part 1. And it was at the recommendation of Whitney Fox, who I mentioned earlier as being a pivotal part of my progress in podcasting. Say that three times fast, pivotal part of my podcasting. (laughs) But she really was, and boom, Occult Laurel Canyon came out. I did an excellent episode with Ellie on paranormal activity. I covered Frank excuse me. I covered Fred Hampton. I had Matt Landman on. I did Occult Laurel Canyon Part 2, which I really wasn't even planning on, but people were just so obsessed with the first one. I was like, ah, well, I'll give them a part two and be done with it. Little did we know. (laughs) And then Ryan Dean came on again. He graciously uh, spent almost two hours talking to me about Princess Diana and the royal family. Love that episode. 
We had another conspiracy sleepover. This one is really fucking hilarious, you guys. I remember recording this one. It was from September 1st, 2022, and that was a very hilarious episode. Uh, I kind of let my guard down as far as I was trying to be so professional in a lot of my episodes, but in this one, it really did have sleepover vibes, and I just love that one. That's one of my favorites. Uh, da Vinci and the Magdalene Mystery. I have very mixed feelings on these episodes because I've grown so much and my thoughts and feelings have changed so much on that topic. I'm never going to remove episodes, but I just like to leave them there to show how far I've come in my understanding of conspiracies. This is a cool episode, but I just, I don't even agree with my own shit that I said in that episode anymore, to be honest with you. But uh, Sean McCann, first ever appearance right after that. Barbie Girl in a Satanic World. Two other episodes I did with him before this have been removed. And then, so Mikey J joined us for The Oasis. Uh, my cousin Jerry joined us. He is a city mayor. He just went all over the place talking about cool stuff. Paranormal, COVID, you name it. We talked about it all. Then I had Kelly come on again with Dr. Thornton. We talked about uh, inflammation, holistic healing, natural health care, crusher of an episode. I dropped Da Vinci and the Magdalene Mystery Part 2, Take It or Leave It. If you want just to listen to some cool shit, I mean, they're good, you know, background noise, I guess. But it's just not as hard hitting as my newer episodes, I guess you'd say. Then FLDS, Child Brides and the Prophet of Lies. I thought this episode was going to be a fucking flop. I After I recorded it, I literally almost deleted it three times. I kept going back and being like, ah, oh, fuck this episode. I don't even fucking like the episode anymore. I'm not putting this out. Nobody's going to... I got so many messages and comments and just so much love for posting that episode. And I was like, I can't believe it. I almost deleted it three times, but it's cool. I listened back to it the other day just for fun. And it's actually a really good episode. I don't know why I hated it so much at the time. But so right after that, we have Dr. Tracy McIntyre with Surgeon Secrets. He's an oral and maxillofacial surgeon. Um, happens to be one of my friends. And I just had a really, really decent conversation with him. It wasn't like super geared towards being conspiratorial, but he's very funny and very positive and had a lot to say about stuff that's just like going on in the world and just life experiences and love that episode. Absolutely love that episode. I followed it up with Psycho Killer Murder Mystery. Now this is the very first October 1st, 2022, Spooktacular on the Cosmic Peach Podcast. And I just want to let you know that if you think I went hard in 2022, you better fucking put some pull-ups on because you're going to shit yourself with 2023. I've already started planning for Cosmic Peach Spooktacular October 2023. It's going to be fucking fire, but that's a whole nother topic. Let's move on. We did Psycho Killer Murder Mystery with me and my cousins. We had a gal chat about uh, Lizzie Borden. And then we did Conspiracy Sleepover Witch Please, where we talked about all kinds, like Season of the Witch and Hocus Pocus and all this really weird stuff in Halloween movies that are geared toward children and otherwise. We talked about the Salem Witch Trials and it was a really great episode. Whitney Fox and Ellie are on this one. So I know you guys would probably enjoy it if you went back and listened to it. Madame Delphine Lalaurie and the New Orleans Mystery. So this episode got me a lot of attention too. And to be honest with you, I loved it. When I recorded it, I was like a goddamn masterpiece. And then I put it out there and it was slow starting at first, but then a lot of people messaged me and were like, you know what? I never really was interested in listening to your podcast before, but I gave this episode a try and now I'm hooked. I love your stuff. And again, super humbled. I just like to have fun and I enjoy people listening to the episodes, having fun, learning new stuff with me. I'm not never out to be like, I know everything. Listen to me. I'm the best. I just like 
having a good time and having a good time with people, even if we're not in the same room or even in the same fucking state. It doesn't matter to me. But next after that, Spook Spectrals and Spirits. Oh my. This one was one I did with my high school longtime best friend, Tiffany, and we talked about the most haunted locations around the world. And there's actually some really creepy stuff in that episode. The Franklin Castle was actually mentioned in that episode. I recently visited the Franklin Castle, and it was a full circle moment for the Cosmic Peach podcast. It was really fucking cool. Now, the next one after that really, again, put me on the map. The Otliff Pass and the Mountain of the Dead with Brian Jason. Everyone wanted to talk to me about the Diotliff Pass after I recorded this episode. And what's funny is, Brian is the one who had this huge, intricate theory of what he thought happened. And I was just kind of spitballing stuff. I didn't really have a concrete theory. But after we recorded this episode, a lot of people loved it and wanted me to come on their shows and talk about it. And I kind of had to just be honest and say, I don't know what happened. I know what probably didn't happen. I do think it had some supernatural element to it. But October 17th, 2022, one of my all-time favorite episodes. Took me weeks to edit this fucking bad boy. What's your favorite scary movie with Davey Wavy from the Red Pill Cartel podcast? It was all the greatest horror movies of all time broken down in one episode. It's two and some odd hours long, and it is a fucking crusher of a crusher. Again, took me forever to edit that fucking episode. Totally worth it, though. And then uh, Suicide Forest Dreams and Portals with Ghost from My Third Eye Podcast. We talked about the Okigahara Forest, also known as Suicide Forest in Japan. Love that episode. You guys got to go back and listen to it. Uh, M.R. Gorga, the author of Demons Among Us that went on everyone's podcast who has a podcast, came on and we did an episode called Are You Afraid of the Dark? I tried to probe him for different responses to questions I hadn't heard before on other people's podcasts. Really great episode. Lots of good information. Definitely worth a listen. We did Occult Winchester Rifle Mansion with New York Patriot, Bermuda Triangle and Philadelphia Experiment on the Conspiracy Sleepover, the Wizard of Oz episode that people went nuts over. People still message me about that episode. I poured a lot of time, dedication, research, loyalty uh, to the subject. I mean, I really busted my fucking nut bag putting that episode together, and I couldn't be more appreciative of those who listened to it and reached out to have uh, positive things to say about it. Um, next after that, we did Cryptids, Crystals, and Creatures with Nico and Rosie from Upstate Unconventional. The Never-Ending Story with the Esoteric Gladiator. Great guy. He stopped podcasting, but definitely had a lot of great info to share. Um, we did Paranormal Alaska, first appearance from uh, Reg, and that, that episode is really good. Super funny guy. Um, then we had the Final Frontier with Ron from the Imaginarium of Thought. The Birth Control Myth episode with the OBGYN. A lot of people still message me about this one. If you're trying to get off birth control, you need to go back and listen to that shit. It was a really good episode. Netflix and Red Pill. Christmas Special. Occult Laurel Canyon Part 3. Tommy Chong. Uh, Cosmic Mysteries with Brian Jason. Uh, Michael Jackson episode with Tetris, Ruby Tuesday about Tuesday Weld, who is a big witch in Hollywood. You really should listen to that one. That one's with Sh uh, Sean McCann. Then I busted it down one more time with Little Miss Christmas Ritual, John Benet Ramsey. People are still messaging me about this episode. I slayed it, crushed it, killed it, knocked it out of the park. And for someone who is not self-centered and doesn't think very highly of myself, I have to say I nailed that episode. I don't care what anyone has to say about it. Followed that up with Yuba County 5, crushed it on Deborah Gets Red Pilled. 
we had the 2023 New Year special, Jack the Ripper, and then boom, 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 the Nephilim series. We got Myth or Memory, Book of Enoch, Atlantis, and Bloodlines, four of my most popular episodes of all time. And thank you so much for the love on those episodes. Took me an extremely long time to put those together. And uh, glory to God, they were successful. Next after that, Mirror Mirror with Ryan Dean. He crushed it again. True Earth with Josh Monday. Uh, Conspiracy Sleepover about the Zodiac Killer. The Boy in the Box episode. Dude, please go and listen to that. That was such an amazing episode. Brian poured his heart and soul into researching that and he nailed it. I thought it was mind-blowing. But then we had Matt T from The Great Deception for Babylon Babies, the John Denver Roswell Space Conspiracy. A lot of this stuff that I'm working on now makes more sense if you listen to the Occult Laurel Canyon episodes and the John Denver episodes. So just keep that in mind if you haven't listened to it yet. Cannibalism Clones and Catalyst Jones, uh, the Raging Pestilence Festering Disease episode, uh, Quetzalcoatl, SRA and Star Trek, Breakdown Shakedown, first appearance on the Cosmic Peach podcast. We covered Nope from Jordan Peele, uh, Drew Misson's first appearance on the Cosmic Peach podcast, Gingers versus Aliens. Then I had, um, the 60s serial killers, suicides, and sacrifices. Sometimes, in case you were wondering, I just like to have fun <laughs> with the titles of the episodes. I, I'm i like, I wonder if anybody will get it. <laughs> but I don't like to just say, oh, it's conspiracies, Illuminati cult, blah, da-da-da. I want to be original with these fucking titles, Okay. We had DNA, blood types, and genetic mysteries with Ellie. Kelly came on again to talk to us about natural health care. We had Gary Wayne on, Breakdown Shakedown of the Witcher, Johnny Gosh episode, Alaskan Legends, Shinigami and Japanese Folklore, Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, episode about Edgar Allan Poe, Back into the Canyon Group Discussion, Laurel Canyon Part 4, Wicked World of Disney, Franklin Castle, Alien, uh, Skinnamarink, another Gary Wayne, Colby crushing it on the Kurt and Courtney episode. We have uh, Breakdown Shakedown of the Ghostbusters, Surviving MK Ultra Sex Magic with Dr. Julia Engel, and so many more, all the way up to, you guessed it, today. I am so honored and grateful and blessed to have had so many people help me out along my way. And I will continue to podcast. This isn't a goodbye or anything like that. But reaching 100 episodes and still feeling the fire every time I decide to record a new episode truly is a blessing. Because I feel like a lot of people lose their passion after a while. So I do have to say again, thank you uh, for supporting the show. Those of you who have listened since day one, you kind of have seen how much it's grown. Um... I mean, time is one of the most valuable things to give another person. And I want to make my appreciation known for those who spend a lot of their time listening to shows and or joining me for shows. So, speaking of that, we need to now crown our Cosmic Peach Tinfoil Royals. The votes are in. The listeners have spoken, and the finalists have been named. And no surprise here, most were tied. So I'm going to announce in no specific order the top four, because like I said, a lot of them were tied. But the ten foil royals are... Gary Wayne, author of the Genesis 6 Conspiracy, in the number one episode was Nephilim, Sacred Sites, and Interdimensional Portals. So congratulations to Gary Wayne, you are officially a tinfoil royal. Next up on the list, Ellie from the Speed Bumps podcast. Number one episode, DNA, Blood Types, and Genetic Mysteries. 
Congrats, Ellie, and thank you, sister. I love you so much. You are killing it in the game. Everyone go and check out Speed Bumps Podcast. Now, these next two were a tie. And it was an unbreakable tie because I love both of them dearly. It's Reg from Paranorm Alaska, episode Alaskan Legends. And Brian Jason from the Cleveland Twill podcast, episode Tear Tour, The Franklin Castle. So congrats to everyone who made the Tinfoil Royal list, of course. A massive thank you for everyone who participated in the countdown and sent in their votes with their favorite episodes. And, of course, honorable mentions. Ryan Dean with the Mirror Mirror episode. Josh Monday with the True Earth episode. And in my opinion, anyone who has come on my podcast are tinfoil royals, but the top four will get bragging rights for the next 12 months, okay? We will revisit our tinfoil royals list next July, okay? But yes, those were the chosen four, and I think, yes, you're right, they are outstanding. But so, moving on to our 100th episode today... I feel it's only fitting to put some bookends on our journey from last July. Today we will be touring the canyon for the final time. It is Occult Laurel Canyon Part 5. We have taken many tours of the canyon together, and I believe it's time to part ways and move on to new adventures and new series. Based on episode rankings, I know you all love the Nephilim series along with the Laurel Canyon series, and I have some more absolutely mind-blowing series on the way, so fear not. But without further ado, let's begin our last descent into the canyon. Hello everyone, and thank you for joining me for the 100th episode of Cosmic Peach Podcast. It is going down. We are touring the canyon for the grand finale. Sometimes pieces of the puzzle just seem to fall from the heavens. I don't really know why that happens, and to be honest, I find it somewhat disconcerting at times. But here we are. We're touring the canyon for the final time today. The grand finale of the epic adventure we embarked on together. And I know it seems like there couldn't possibly be anything I've left out in the previous four parts. But you know how the canyon is. It's just a never-ending, spiraling-out-of-control rabbit hole. But now, it seems... I have been through most of the Laurel Canyon body count, but as it turns out, there's a few more people we need to discuss to really put a ribbon on this Laurel Canyon series. And in the words of Jim Morrison, it seems no one here gets out alive in reference to the Laurel Canyon, including our first Laurel Canyon victim on our tour, Sonny Bono. Now, Bono began his Hollywood career as a lieutenant for reclusive murder suspect Phil Spector. In the early 1960s, Bono hooked up with an underage Sherilyn Sarcasson Lapierre to form a duo known as Caesar and Cleo, later as Sonny and Cher. The pair were phenomenally successful, first on the Sunset Strip and later on television. Bono, of course, ultimately gave up the Hollywood life and found work in a branch of the federal government. The U.S. House of Representatives, to be more specific. And then on January 5th, 1998, Sonny Bono died after purportedly skiing into a tree. At the time, 
Bono occupied a seat on the House Judiciary Committee, which was about to come to sudden prominence with the investigation and impeachment of President Bill Clinton. The ball was already rolling by the time of Bono's death. And on January 26, 1998, just three weeks after the alleged skiing accident, Clinton held the now notorious press conference in which he said something to the effect of, I did not have sexual relations with that hoe bag, by which I mean the executive penis did not at any time penetrate her womanly parts, though it is possible that she may have taken a few puffs on the old presidential cigar, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but by that time, of course, Bono's seat on the panel had been set aside for his robo-wife, who was perhaps a little more willing to act out the charade. And in other news, let's now turn our attention to a little someone named Phil Hartman. As everyone likely remembers, Saturday Night Live member Phil Hartman was murdered in his home at 5065 Encino Avenue on May 28, 1998. That much is not in dispute. Decidedly less clear, though, is the answer to the question of who it was that actually shot and killed Hartman. The official story, of course, holds that it was his wife, Bryn, who shortly thereafter shot herself with a different gun, naturally, and reportedly did this after she had left the house and then returned with a friend and after the LAPD had arrived at the home. Dude, there is a very strong possibility, however, that both Phil and his wife were murdered with the true motive for the crime covered up by trotting out the tired but ever-popular murder-suicide scenario. In most people's minds, Phil Hartman is not associated with the Laurel Canyon scene of the late 1960s and early 70s. But hear me out, okay? Hartman did indeed have substantial ties to the scene. To begin with, during that time that Jimi Hendrix actually lived in L.A. in the spacious mansion just north of the log cabin on Laurel Canyon Boulevard, Hartman worked for him as a roadie. Soon after that, Phil found work as a graphic artist and he quickly found himself much in demand by the Laurel Canyon Rock Royalty. In addition to designing album covers, Hartman also, believe it or not, designed a readily recognizable rock symbol that has endured for nearly 40 years the distinctive CSN logo for Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Hartman had ties to the darker side of Laurel Canyon as well. He was, for example, a high school bestie of Lynette Squeaky Fromm, who would later find herself living alongside Charlie Manson at the infamous Spawn movie ranch. And curiously enough, the log cabin's guest house, which was called the Bird House, which is still standing, by the way, was designed and built by an architect named Robert Bird, who also, according to one report, designed the house at 5065 Encino Avenue, where fucking Phil Hartman and his wife was murdered. And... The house at 10050 Cilio Drive, where Sharon Tate and friends were murdered. A cult architect much? I think so. Now, while we're on the subject of the birdhouse, I should mention that among its other amenities, the house features a rather medieval-looking dungeon 
because one never knows when a dungeon might come in handy for um, storing canned peaches or bodies or whatever, you know? Medieval dungeon. But I also notice that what was built as a guest house, quote unquote, probably makes yours and my homes look like they belong in a shanty town. So moving on though, one more curious factoid that I feel compelled to toss out here, since I did reference the Spawn movie ranch, is that during the days of the Manson clan stay at that now infamous former film set, there was a similarly dilapidated movie set that was located right across the road from Spawn. Its name, in case you were wondering, was the Wonderland Movie Ranch. The Wonderland reference, going back to Alice in Wonderland and SRA and speaking with Dr. Julia Engel, is starting to make so much more sense to me now. Every architect, every street name, every person involved with this area, there is a design behind it. So the Wonderland name is significant. And speaking of Wonderland, do you remember the foe on the flow? Let's now turn our attention to those four individuals whose names will probably not be familiar to most of you, but they were Ronald Lawness, Billy Deverell, Barbara Richardson, and Joy Miller, the foe on the flow. All died on July 1st, 1981, all by bludgeoning and all at the same location. 8763 Wonderland Avenue in Laurel Canyon. I briefly touched on this in our last Laurel installment, but I now have more biscuits and gravy to share. So, all were members of a gang that trafficked heavily in cocaine and occasionally in heroin. The leader of the group was Ron Lawness, who reportedly embarked on his criminal career and established his drug connections while serving for good old Uncle Sam over in Vietnam, which is also where he began to build his carefully crafted reputation as a cold-blooded killer. At the time that he became a murder victim himself, Lawness was a suspect in no fewer than 27 open homicide investigations. He was also a drug supplier to various members of the Laurel Canyon aristocracy. Our next victim, Billy Deverill, was Lana's second-in-command and victim Joy Miller was Billy's girlfriend as well as the renter of the Laurel Canyon drug den. Victim Barbara Richardson was the girlfriend of another member of the gang, David Lind, who conveniently was not at the home at the time of the mass murder. That could well have been due to the fact that Lind was, according to various rival drug dealers, a police informant for both the Sacramento and Los Angeles Police Departments. He was also a member of the ultra-violent prison gang known as the Aryan Brotherhood. And so is, by several accounts, a guy that we have bumped into several times during this journey, Bobby Cupid Beausoleil of the Manson family. But so now, Lind, who met Lawness when the two had served time together, is alleged to have overdosed in 1995, though it is widely believed that he actually went into the Federal Witness Protection Program. So the world may never know. Interesting little backstory on the Wonderland foe on the flow. 
But moving on, we've got lots to see here, folks. Another name on the Laurel Canyon death list is Lowell George. The founder and creative force behind the critically acclaimed but largely obscure band known as Little Feet. George was the son of Willard H. George, a famous furrier to the Hollywood movie studios. Lowell's first foray into the music world was with a band known as The Factory, which cut some demos with a guy by the name of Frank Zappa. The Factory evolved into the fraternity of men, but without George, because he had left to serve as lead vocalist for The Standals. George returned, however, to join the band in the studio for the recording of their second album. By that time, as we have already seen, the fraternity of man had taken up residence in the log cabin alongside Carl Franzoni and the fucking freaks that I've spoken so much about. But so George next joined up with Frank Zappa's Mothers of Invention, though his tenure there was destined to be a short one, like so many others, Lowell left embittered by Zappa's dictatorial approach to making music and his condescending treatment of his bandmates. During his time with Zappa, George helped Frank out in the studio with the GTO's first and only album, as did Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart. And after parting company with Zappa, George formed Little Feet, a band composed mostly of musicians from the Fraternity of Man sessions. Hang with me here. So George Lowell, who is credited with being a pioneer of the use of the slide guitar in rock music, served as singer, songwriter, and lead guitarist for the band, which released its debut album in 1970. Though well-regarded within the industry and by the critics, the band's album failed to sell, and George ultimately announced the demise of the band and recorded a solo album. And after playing a show on June 29, 1979, at George Washington University in support of his solo album, George was then found dead in an Arlington, Virginia hotel room very near the Pentagon. And what was the cause of death? A massive fucking heart attack, even though George was just 34 years old at the time. Now, get this shit. According to Barney Hoskins, who wrote the Hotel California book, quote, a regular social stop-off for George was a Laurel Canyon house on Wonderland Avenue, belonging to three-dog night singer Danny Hutton. Known as a drop-in den of debauchery, the Hutton house featured a bedroom with black walls and a giant fireplace. Lowell would often swing by and entertain the likes of Brian Wilson or Harry Nilsson. Nilsson and his regular drinking buddy John Lennon were also frequent guests at this den of debauchery. So it's like everything is a big spider web, right? I'm sure you already know this by now, but connecting the pieces always is exhilarating for me. But since we brought up John Lennon, here's a quick reminder. Lennon was, as everyone knows, murdered in front of New York's Dakota Apartments, which had been portrayed by filmmaker Roman Polanski in the 1960s as a den of satanic cult activity in Rosemary's Baby. Not long before Lennon's murder, David Mark Chapman had approached occult filmmaker Kenneth Anger and offered him a gift of live bullets. Just days after Lennon was murdered, Anger's long-delayed final cut of Lucifer Rising made its New York debut not far from the bloodstained grounds of the Dakota apartments. And not long after that, the Reagan revolution began to transform America. 
So exactly three weeks after Lennon's death, Tim Harden, Canaanite, folk musician, close associate of Frank Zappa, author of Rod Stewart's Reason to Believe, one-time tenant in Lenny Bruce's Laurel Canyon adjacent home, and a former U.S. Marine, died of a reported heroin and morphine overdose in Los Angeles. And at the time of his death on December 29th, 1980, Hardin was just 39 years old. But this is the same cause of death, quote-unquote, heroin and morphine overdose, that reminds me of John Belushi's death. Again, John Belushi dying at the Chateau Marmont, also mentioned in Barney Hoskins Hotel California. I mean, come on, guys. Everything is just a giant puzzle, and we're putting the final pieces together. Moving on. So, eight years after the death of Tim Harden, on July 18, 1988, singer-songwriter keyboardist known as Nico died of a reported cerebral hemorrhage in Ibiza, Spain, under unusual circumstances. Kind of like Mama Cass choking on a bologna sandwich, right? But after achieving some level of fame as a vocalist with the Velvet Underground, Nico had left the Warhol stable and migrated west to Laurel Canyon, where she formed a bond with then-unknown singer-songwriter named Jackson Brown, who contributed a few songs to Nico's 1967 debut album, Chelsea Girl. And that was named after New York's Chelsea Hotel, where, by the way, Devin Wilson took a dive, and where John Train murdered Phil Oakes. But anyways, that's a side note. Also contributing a song to Nico's solo album debut was Tim Harden. And moving on from that, our next victim, which I don't think I've ever mentioned until now, was the death on December 4th, 1993, some five years after Nico's curious death. And that is the one and only Frank Zappa, who died in his Laurel Canyon home of inoperable prostate cancer. Some have speculated that the cancer could have been developed as a result of the chemical agents Zappa was exposed to throughout his early childhood at the Edgewood Arsenal. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? What goes around comes around, buddy. And what a way to go out to inoperable prostate cancer. I'm just going to be a little petty and say, serves you right. He always did act like he had something up his ass. But anyways, moving on. I already covered the death of Dennis Wilson from the Beach Boys, who was found floating belly up in the marina where his ship was docked after hinting at writing a book about Charlie Manson. But do you guys remember where he lived? Rustic Canyon? Well, get this shit. Just to the north of Dennis Wilson's old home is a vast wilderness of undeveloped canyon lands. Lower Rustic Canyon soon gives way to Upper Rustic Canyon, and all signs of human civilization abruptly vanish. The land remains wild and undeveloped except for an old fire road that winds along the summit between Rustic Canyon and a neighboring canyon. That road is closed to the public and vehicle traffic is non-fucking-existent. Aside from an occasional hiker wandering in from nearby Will Rogers State Park. But there is nary a fucking human to be seen. The farther in one hikes, the more wild and untamed it becomes. Along with the sights of the city... The sounds and the scents quickly disappear as well. 
within a very short time, it is surprisingly easy to forget that you're even within the confines of the city of Los Angeles. In its fall splendor, the canyon looks nothing like the Los Angeles that everyone knows and loves. It is a beautiful, serene, and pastoral area. But yet, it is also filled with mist and heavily overgrown and vaguely ominous. And if one knows where to look, there is a narrow concrete stairway that is accessible from the fire road. This stairway descends down to the floor of the canyon, and it is a very, very long descent. 512 steps long, to be exact. As one makes a descent, this stairway, which seems to go on forever, seems wildly out of fucking place. With time to kill on the way down, you may find yourself pondering how many man hours it took to set forms for 512 poured concrete steps, and how many truckloads of concrete had to be poured out in the middle of fucking nowhere. But so, reaching the canyon floor, you'll find that reaching the canyon floor, you'll see that it's super overgrown and nature is trying to reclaim this land. But remnants of a past civilization can be seen everywhere. And what you'll see are some large structures that are mainly intact, a nearly 400,000 gallon spring-fed reservoir serving a sophisticated water system, a concrete walled structure that once housed twin electrical generators capable of lighting a small town, more concrete stairways, hundreds of steps long, each snaking its way up the canyon walls, weathered livestock stables, professionally graded and paved roads, countless stone retaining walls, an incinerator, concrete foundations, and skeletal remains of former dwellings, the rusting carcass of a Manson-esque VW bug, and, at the former entrance, an imposing set of electrically controlled wrought iron security gates. I'm not going to repeat all that for obvious reasons, but you may want to skip back about 20 seconds and listen to that list again. What is this doing out in the middle of a secluded area? It's the kind of place that seems tailor-made for Charlie and his family. Remote and secluded, yet accessible by the family's custom-built dune buggies with just enough crumbling infrastructure to provide rudimentary shelter for the clan. And with elaborate security provisions, including sentry positions and a formerly electrified fence completely encircling the 50-acre compound, as well as, by some reports, an underground tunnel complex, this seems like the type of place that may have been used by the Manson family as it was located just a short hike up the canyon from the place that Charlie Manson called home in the summer of 1968, Dennis Wilson's house, remember? So, while exploring this place, obvious questions begin to come to mind. Work with me here. Who developed this remote part of the canyon? And why? Why? Why here? In what feels like the middle of fucking nowhere land? Well, the goal appears to have been to create a hidden and completely self-sustaining community. And an extraordinary amount of money was invested in this infrastructure development. But why? Very few know of the curious ruins in Rustic Canyon, and fewer still know the history of those ruins. Every now and then, though, some kind of fucking local reporter will pay a visit, and the story will make a one-time appearance in a local publication, 
briefly casting a little bit of light on this hidden history of Los Angeles. And actually, in September of 2005, a woman named Cecilia Rossamon, Ross Musen, something like that, of Los Angeles, reported on this area and said something to the effect of, quote, Rusted Canyon Ruin may be a former Nazi compound, end quote. But it was not widely publicized. But think about that, guys. They publish it so they can tell you what it really is and what really went on there, but then it's never promoted. And research indicates that it could have been home to up to 40 local Nazis from about 1933 to 1945. Armed guards patrolled the canyon, dressed in the uniform worn by silver shirts. A paramilitary group modeled after Hitler's brown shirts. And a man known through oral history only as Herr Schmidt supposedly ruled the place and claimed to possess metaphysical powers. Okay. And then there was another article also stating some factoids about these ruins. And it says that this complex featured a 20,000-gallon diesel fuel tank, livestock stables, and dairy and butchering facilities. Along both sides of the compound rise, quote, eight crumbling narrow stairways of at least 500 steps each, end quote. And that's from the fucking LA Times. But those stairways apparently led to sentry positions high on the canyon walls. But for the record, they're not actually crumbling. You can still see them. They're just overgrown with vegetation. And this is actually called Murphy's Ranch. So, during Murphy Ranch's years of operation, nearby residents reportedly complained of late-night military exercises and the sounds of live gunfire echoing through the canyons. Why is the history behind this Murphy Ranch not more known about? It was literally a military hideout for Nazis. I mean, to summarize it, it appears that the city of Los Angeles was home to a secret militarized Nazi compound that was in operation both before and during World War II. Remnants of that blacked out chapter of LA's history can be fucking seen to this day. But most people just don't want to make the trek out there. And actually, the purpose behind building this fucking bunker was to ride out an anarchic, apocalyptic war so that the chosen few could emerge as the rulers of the new world. And this all sounds so fucking Manson-esque. And isn't it ironic that Manson and his crew spent an entire summer camped out at a place that was within a two-mile hike of this fucking compound. And then just think of him carving the swastika into his forehead. He knew what energy he was probably tapping into at these ruins. But you know what else? Boom shakalaka. It also served as an outdoor meeting site for the cult behind David motherfucking Berkowitz and the Son of Sam murders. Boom! You tell me after listening to Dr. Julia Engel and the snuff films and what they were doing at Lookout Mountain Avenue that this Nazi compound wasn't used to channel some shit in. I think that's gonna do it for us today, folks. This will conclude our grand finale of the occult Laurel Canyon. It has been an honor being your tour guide. 
thank you for touring the canyon with me one last time. I am again humbled and grateful to be a part of your journey seeking truth. A heartfelt and genuine thank you for those who have supported me this far. I promise to continue bringing you the cosmic fire. Thank you all again so much. I'll catch you on the next one.